Telemic Company has long been a provider of protective coatings for the water wastewater industry. Our representatives continue to provide support for contractors, specifying engineers, and asset owners who work in the water and wastewater sectors. On today's episode of Coatings Decoded, Colleen Arnold, president of Aqua, joins me for part one of a two-part interview. The first part of our interview focuses on Colleen's career path in the water industry. She talks about some of the challenges she faced along the way and offers some excellent insights for those contemplating a career in the water industry. Without any further ado, let's jump right into part one of this insightful interview. Well, thank you for joining us for the latest installment of Coatings Decoded. I'm Brian Cheshire, the Director of Sales for, the, for Water Wastewater here at Tenemic Company, and I will be your host today. On today's episode, we're honored to be able to interview Colleen Arnold, President of Aqua. Colleen is well-respected within the water industry, so I anticipate that many of our listeners will value her insights into many of the topics that we'll, we'll discuss today. So without any further ado, I would like to welcome Colleen Arnold to the Coatings Decoded podcast. How are you today, Colleen? Very good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, Colleen, before we jump in, um, if you could introduce yourself and 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 really uh, talk about Aqua and, and what all your role as president at Aqua entails. Yeah, I'm happy to, Brian. I've um I've worked in the water industry, and, and when I speak about water, I'm talking you know one water, water, wastewater, stormwater for over 25 years now in different roles. Right now, I do have the great fortune of being president of Aqua. Aqua is, um, has a hundred and over 135 year history, starting as Philadelphia Suburban Water Company um, all those years ago. But right now, we are a part of Essential Utilities. We're a commission regulated utility. Essential has a gas division and a water division. And so I'm basically the chief operating officer for the water division, Aqua. And so I'm responsible for all operations for Aqua. We have about um, a million customers in eight states, uh, mostly water. And um, you know, I'm responsible for the safe, reliable, and compliant, high-quality service delivery um, across all those states. So I will say your, your your point is definitely full, to say the least, <laughs> yeah. from the sounds of that. Every day, but it's a great mission. I understand that. So, Well, if you could, I think our listeners would be really interested to hear more about your career path and, and really you know, how you got to where you are today in your current role. Yeah, no, I'm happy to talk about that some. It was certainly not linear. And um, a few years ago, I I was doing my MBA and um, I was there as as someone a little bit more towards the end of my career. And there were a lot of young, you know, um, late 20s, early 30s, um, maybe not at the end of my career, let's say middle of my career. But um, uh, (laughs) there was a class called like designing your career. Um, And it was almost like you could make a playbook, like 15 years from now, I want to be president of Aqua and this is how I get there. All that to being said, you know, I didn't follow a playbook. Um, and so I, uh, going back, I was a studied civil engineering and environmental engineering. I got my master's. Um, I knew I wanted to be an environmental engineer 
And at that time, there was only two undergraduate programs. So I went straight through. And I knew pr pretty early on, even within environmental engineering, it was water that interested me um, the most. So that that sounds kind of crazy to have, you know, that much direction as I have teenage daughters now. Um, but, you know, I think there are a lot of things that we all like, but I, I was really interested in both those directions. Um, and so I started after school as a consulting engineer and I, I did some variety of work, but um, really early on started as a um, as a consultant. I was I worked on a fantastic project in New York City around their filtration waiver. So they um, as a high quality surface water um, one of the largest water supplies, like the largest supply in our country. Um, in order to maintain their waiver, they you needed to they needed to pilot water filtration. And so, like as a young engineer, I had a pilot trailer um, over one MGD, greater than a lot of my small systems that I, I'm responsible for now, and went to different locations across the Catskill Delaware watershed and piloted treatment. So, as much as I'm an engineer, I think I've designed one thing. Um, I I got pretty early on. I got involved in operations and process selection and, and more of the water quality side. And at that point, um, as I was piloting and doing the water treatment, a professor from where I went to school contacted me about um, coming back to do my PhD. And I was always really interested in teaching. And so I actually went back um, to get my PhD. I never finished, um, but it was a fantastic experience. I, I piloted more advanced treatments, specifically dissolved air flotation. Um, and at the end of three years, I finished my um, all my classes and I did the did that research. It was determined that it was too applied, um, and so I um, I knew pretty early on once I started the PhD that an academic professor wasn't for me, and so I, I that it you know you really need the academic researchers, but I, I did like the applied work, and so I I cut my losses after those three years and really did some soul searching as to, um, do I even want to still be an engineer? Um, and so I actually taught high school math for a year. Like I said, I've always really been oh, wow. interested in teaching. Um, and so for a small private school in Maryland, I was like the math department. <laughs> so I taught everything from, um, pre, you know, pre-algebra up through calculus. And um, I, I loved it, absolutely loved it. But it, um, and, you know, as an engineer, you know, a little bit engineering arrogant, I think just because you spend so much time studying and all, I, I didn't think anything could be as hard. And that was probably one of the hardest things I've done, um, you know, being a good teacher and being able to communicate to all different levels. So I learned a lot from that. But around that time, um, I actually got contacted by the consulting firm I used to work for, and they were looking for somebody in their Philadelphia office. Um, and you know, I think practicalities come into things. And, um, you know, unfortunately, teachers aren't valued as much as engineers. And it, I realized, you know, I wasn't off of engineering, you know, for the rest of my life. So I, I ended up going back into consulting. Um, and then, um, and that was great. I ended up doing piloting for Philadelphia Water Department again, and then um, also got involved in source water protection at that point in time. And then at that point in time, I was I was married and starting a family. 
And um, again, like none of this is linear, right? Like I certainly didn't map out any of this. Like you're at different circumstances in your life. And if, if you're lucky, you have choices and, and you look at what kind of, at least what I did, I looked at what was best um, for me under all those circumstances personally and with my family at that time. And so as much as, as I was working in consulting, I was able to do part-time work, starting a family. Um, you have clients and deliverables, and I had a certain expertise uh, with water quality that I was traveling. Um, that's when I moved over to the operations side. And okay. so I, uh, one of our clients was the city of Wilmington, Delaware. And I started with them as water quality manager at that point. And um, I haven't left the utility operation side since. So that was probably about uh, getting close to 20 years ago. Uh, no, maybe 15, um, over 15, somewhere in between there. Um, and so, you know, working full-time close to where my daughter's schools were, um, the uh, it was just, it allowed me more flexibility for where I was at that stage. And I was really always interested, um, there's pluses and minuses to everything. So as a consultant, you get to do a project and see it from beginning to end. And then, you know, as you go into utility operations, um, you see everything, like the whole big picture of the utility. Um, well, you don't necessarily get to dig in and, and work on any one specific project um, in terms of the role I was in as I moved into management. So, um, and then from there, like I said, I've been in utility operations. I was in different roles with the city of Wilmington. Um, water, I started as water quality manager. I've always started from the, um, you know, my background is, is really very technical. Um, uh, and then I went from water quality manager though into management, um, eventually became director uh, for the water, an assistant director for the water department. And that's when I got involved in asset management and CSOs and real-time uh, control plans, as well as um, uh, SCADA implementation. And so I really got involved in all aspects of water utility operations, and I loved it. Um, but I uh, ended up coming over to Essential or Aqua um, and came back in a more technical role. Um, again, you know, at, at that point in time, I was feeling a little bit limited at the city in terms of growth and progression um, as much as I was able to do all of that. Um, and I felt I was, you know, the coming to the regulated utility side would be a really great balance between municipal government and consulting engineering and private business. Um, so, I, and I've been, you know, a great fortune of having, you know, tremendous opportunity here. I, um, I've worked in different roles at Essential. Again, on the technical side, I was treatment manager for Aqua Pennsylvania. Then I was director of environmental compliance for um, all of Aqua. And then that experience at the city of Wilmington in all aspects of utility operations really afforded me the chance under this CEO, Chris Franklin, to um, to move into operate higher level operations management because I had done it at the city. Um, I, I knew I could do it for essential, although it was under you know much broader platform. So then I um, I think over eight years ago became deputy chief operating officer. This is before we had the gas side, and then when we bought the gas uh, the gas people's gas out in Pittsburgh, I became president of the water side. 
So it's a long story and it's not linear. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's I, I think always being passionate about what you do, but open to different paths, I guess, is how I got here. And, and that's some great advice. And, and thank you for sharing that. And, and I know we've, we've got a, a good portion of our listeners here of this podcast are in, in the coatings industry. And, and I would say venture to say that the majority of them listening could probably state their careers is very similar in that it's very nonlinear. I, I know myself, I, I set out at first being to be an engineer. Um, then I was ended up in marketing and then and somehow ended up in paint. And, and so <laughs> I would venture to say a lot of my counterparts would probably state that as well. Yeah. But I, I probably similar to the water industry, which now I work with the, with the water industry quite a bit with coatings. But I can tell you the coatings industry as a whole has been very valuable to me and, and to many of my counterparts. And, and it sounds like it's been been the same to you as well throughout yes. the way. And and I would say another takeaway I, I heard from that was, you know, you had mentioned your diverse background and some of the different jobs that you did along the way. And. I know in my career, I could look back and say, you know, a lot of the odd jobs and different roles I did at the time, I may not have seen the vision or seen where those were headed. Uh, but looking back now, I'm, I'm very thankful that I did all those steps along the way, because th there's many days where I pull upon diff different portions of my career. And yes. so it sounds like that's probably very similar for you as well. Yes, absolutely. And, uh, you know, no matter, you know, what role you're in, I guess I've always just tried to make it better. And so you take something away from each one that you do that hopefully helps you with the next one. That's definitely. Well, um, you know, throughout your career, I, I would venture to say you've probably also faced some challenges along the way. And and, and speaking of challenges, um, I, I would say that it's safe to say that, it, that it's challenging specifically for women um, to break through in the water industry or the water sector. And I know there's a, a Brookings Institute report that I'm sure you're, you're probably familiar with, um, came out maybe a few years ago. And, and it, in the report, it basically states that women are, are highly underrepresented, uh, underrepresented in the water sector. And within that report, it actually gives this statement. It says that the, the water industry lacks both gender and racial diversity in various occupations, with some types of positions attracting few women and minority populations. And all, and this was the key part. I, I thought here this really stood out to me. But it says, uh, although women make up, let's just call it, forty-seven percent of workers across all occupations nationally, they account for only fifteen percent of the water workforce. And, and and so, with that in mind, I, I'd like for you to a minute, if, if you don't mind, Colleen, to to really speak to some of those challenges that you faced along the way as a woman. In what has previously really been and continues to be a male-dominated industry. Yeah, no, happy to. And um, if I go on for too long, you can you know cut me off. There's probably a lot That's we fine. can explore here. Uh, <laughs> but you're exactly right. And we have a benchmark for all utilities, not just water, that we go on. And I think it's um, a little bit higher, like twenty percent, um, and essentials at 22%. And I'm like, that's still not good. <laughs> We're comparing ourselves, like you said, you know, half the population is female almost. And, um, and to have that few in the actual workforce and like all diversity, um, I, I think it's really important for us to have diverse teams on the one side. Um, 
it helps us communicate with the customers, right? You know, we want to represent the demographics that, you know, we're trying to serve. And so it helps us understand them. And then I, I just really believe in diversity of experience, whether it's gender or race um, or, or others, right? Uh, that it's what enables you to bring something different as you're, you know, we were in a, such a small world and such a um, changing and our access to information. And so we've got to be really agile and adapt. And so, you know, without diversity, I, I just, I think we kind of have a limited view and it doesn't enable us to adapt. So I just, I think it's really, really important. Um, as a female, it you know, I've, I've worked with from engineering. I think I was three, three, there were three females in like a class of 105 when I graduated undergrad. Um, and so I've always worked with um, males, uh, you know, through college on, you know, as a real minority. And especially because I got more into operations, um, you know, the, the first water plants I went into didn't even have a women's bathroom. <laughs> there wow. still are some, but, um, <laughs> and, and so really male dominated. And so sometimes I think, you know, I, my experience, like I think more like a guy than maybe a, a woman in certain circumstances, we had a, a female leader who worked with us, uh, one of the presidents of our subsidiaries, and, and she ended up leaving. And, um, I, you know, we're the worst for it, again, just losing some of that diversity. But sometimes I wondered if, like, I'm in an atmosphere because I've always been with guys that is is maybe not as inclusive as it, it can be. And so I, I would say through my career, there have been some overt um situations like when i was early on and i was talking about piloting in new york city mm -hmm. um i was a pretty young engineer and had to implement a specific protocol and i was working with a couple of fellows that were probably 20 years my senior and they would come in and change things around me um and try and do things differently and and so that was pretty overt and i had a really good um man a supervisor or boss and she was also a woman and so she backed me up um which is what i needed and and just said go back out there and follow the protocol that, that we all agreed to um but that was that was really hard and probably one of the more overt ones and then i think it's really more subtle like i said in terms of having this in inclusive sort of environment that embraces different thoughts i, I don't think it's that when you work in an atmosphere where you're a minority that people are trying not to, but it um, like so, for instance, as a female and you might see this in the Brookings Institute, I, I do feel I have to speak up probably and somebody even told me once I have to say things 10 times to like every time a, a male peer says it. And again, I don't think it's overt. It's just um, it, when you don't have diversity in the environment, you just kind of get used to what you get used to. And um, and I see that also with some of my colleagues that are people of color. And I think um, as we're all more aware, if we can make sure that those voices are heard, because we really need to make sure they're heard. So I've, um, and so I've needed to, you know, I have benefited, I should say, from having good mentors along the way. Um, both male and female that made sure my voice was heard um, and that it was valued. Um, 
in those situations and you know i'd encourage everybody here especially as you know as we work maybe in atmospheres that aren't as diverse as they can be as you're trying to create a more diverse atmosphere you know you have to be really mindful of that in meetings um in, in just how you're doing things to make sure those voices are heard we thank you for joining us for part one of this interview with colleen arnold on today's episode we covered a lot of ground and gained some valuable insights from Colleen's career path and overall experiences in the industry. Make sure to join us for part two, where we get Colleen's thoughts on the current state of the water industry. Also, we will discuss some other relevant topics for professionals working in this sector. Thank you again for joining us today for this latest installment of Coding's Decoded.